Welcome back to Creative Covenants Marketing for Cybersecurity. In this episode, we are delving into the process of defining your brand. So this episode is for startup founder teams who are ready to take their initial great idea into the wider world, but want to make sure that the brand that accompanies that and underpins that is both true to the initial idea and supports your plans for growth and greatness. Our two guests are Gareth Rudder, founder and creative director of Bello, and our own CEO and strategy director, Lucinda Dobinson. When you are not yet a fully formed business and you've got a nascent team um, and you've probably got people who are more motivated by the problem they want to solve than really the commercial aspects of their business yet, who owns brand um, and how do you take them on the journey towards towards building something um, and not seeing it as fluffy? There's a really interesting idea that was floated um, a while back um, by a guy called Ben Pierrat, um, who does a lot of startup work and was famous for trying to sell brands that were already made and trying to sell them for that $10,000 in the States. Really interesting guy. And he came up with this idea of pre-brand, which was this idea that, that startups could could buy small amounts of like small amounts of time to create like super flexible identities that would just get them through like the, the first stages. Now, um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think it's a super interesting idea. I don't think it's a, the best way to kind of to spend money. I I, I generally think that 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 you look at most design most startups that are design led, regardless of category, seem to have an advantage because design sort of it's not just the technical side of it it's how especially if you're going to be in the hands of an end user that isn't technical design's the best way to, design's a great translator whether that's translating a complex problem whether that's translating an amazing service that under the under the, under the hood is super complicated but you want it to be the easiest thing for people to pick up and go out and and it and brands essentially also a way that people choose things and something else and brands isn't a logo brand is brand is how you how it talks how it how 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 you know your your customer support might answer the phone brand is is um you know why it why it animates like this brand is 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 cut brand is color brand is language brand is um visual Ident, you know, visual tropes, you know, what photography, you know, that kind of thing. I think you, you see so many um, startups with kind of the aesthetic of unsplashed photography and and kind of gradients. And I mean, obviously, like the, the new Stripe rebrand's got that kind of got got a great feel to it. I think the best brand, I think the best kind of startups use brand to really differentiate themselves and give themselves a, a strong voice early on, so that people buy into that that personality of that brand and that and therefore it gives them it makes it more tangible it's something that you can imagine having in your life and therefore you know engaging um brand design at an earlier stage helps form that it's also you know a great like voice in the room in terms of like a in terms of like a broader team like having people go are you really sure that's a great idea think about it from this point of view people who don't think like you surround yourself with people who don't think like yourself you know, I, I, it's it's you don't want a room full of people going yes. You want a room full of people going really? Why not this? Why not this? 
and that may seem like a, a really kind of um, odd thing to say, but you, you want to, you, at its earliest stages with any any brand, be it, be it a SaaS product, be it, um, you know, anything, it is, it's all around understanding why that brand is in that world and, and helping with the strategy as well to create clear defendable space for that thing to exist. It's also knowing that being first to market doesn't always make you the best and, and that brand plays a large um, you know, format in that. Yes, so much there. I mean, I actually think for me, one of the, the big things that I've learned, particularly on the in-house side of deploying brands, is that the biggest gift it gives you is actually the, the ability to sacrifice things um because when you start out you have this sea of infinite possibility that you could go in any direction you could take any opportunity um and that actually throttles a lot of startups because they just go on a land grab everywhere mm. but they don't focus their budget and they don't focus their attention and they don't focus on one particular type of user but when you make brand decisions you have to and you create a sort of accountability framework all the time that is tied inevitably to your strategy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think I think brand, brand, brand's a great way of, of of framing in everyone's mind what great looks like. I think yeah. it, it's it's a great way of, um, as you say, of uh, I think this idea of like creating this defendable space, creating the bubble that you'll operate in, and how that how people will want to get inside that and and interact with you. I think that's super important and, and I think as you say it, it also allows for focus I think the, also, the important thing for, for starters is, is knowing that brand isn't isn't set in stone that yeah. it can be people and great branding is not this is what it is forever great branding is if you scale 300 percent we're gonna have, we're gonna the brand will scale with you I think that's one of the most important things is not creating a brand for a, for a startup is creating a brand for a fortune 500 company that just happens to be a startup now I, and yes. that that for me is, is such an important point because you generally get one one chance to really when you especially when you take go to market to really make an impact and what you don't want is that brand to kind of to kind of look stale and old in in like six months time or be so kind of trendy that it's not trendy anymore it needs to be there needs to be a sense of timelessness but also a sense of a sense that 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 brand can grow evolve and and become you know and and become more than it is i want to wind you back just a little bit if that's okay because i love everything that you guys are saying about the sort of the aspiration of a brand that you know the brand you create at the start you know you should be thinking that it lasts the brand's lifetime. It kind of reminds me of like, reminds me of the James Bond, James Bond theme. Like, you know, who knew that that song needed to be as iconic as it became? And yet they clearly got whatever brief that was right. But if you are a, a startup kind trying to integrate these processes early on, sort of what does that look like? If you sort of, because I can imagine if you're, as you say, if you're, the, you know, a team that, that doesn't have experience in this at all and doesn't really even know where they would start and who they would start with, sort of what kind of criteria would you say they needed to apply and at what stage in the process if we were to be like sort of kind of brutally specific about it? Um, I, 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 think it, I think it really, so, so I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. And I, and I think also to go back to the James Bond point, I think, I think Adele is probably more famous for singing a James Bond theme tune than the original these days. It's really interesting. I think we, this, I think there's a, 
there's interesting ideas of permanence, um, and and I think mm. that I think that I think that brand brand is really important, but it it's it I think it needs to more be be more be more flexible. Um, I think for me, it, it, the, pro, the, the there's no there's no one size fits all process with people. I think it's getting to know it's understanding people's experience with brand. Have they have they done anything like that before? Do they understand it? I never, you know, I'm desperate not to tell anyone how to suck eggs, but at the same time, it's it's really helpful. And it's it, it is if you feel, you know, the time when you feel like you need to to um, seek branding advice, that you have meetings and you meet and and you sit down and really talk it out. Because I think those meetings are the ones that really make you understand what you might need, your your level of understanding, and everything else. Um, my 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 personal preference is is to is to get in as early as possible with people. There's a there's a kernel of an idea. There's a kernel of 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 excitement, but a lot of the time it's really helpful to 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 talk to someone else who's very agnostic to your you know that has no sort of hasn't spent the last two years thinking about this amazing idea. Someone that hasn't you know, spent all their sort of waking life thinking about it, but someone who will come at it quite objectively and probably ask some quite difficult questions will be slightly less kind of enamoured with it maybe to start with. Um, and it, for me, the process then is really around around what do you need? Very much like a minimum viable product, um, you know, for brand, if you like. What do you need to, to get to these specific points? Are you looking to... To, are you looking to raise money? Are you looking to launch? Like the, there are there are lots of different ways into it. So I, not to not to not kind of answer the question. I think it's I think it's difficult to kind of lay that out with because it, it's 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 different in all kinds of um, situations. What about you, Lucy? What would you? Uh, I know it's a, it is a difficult question yeah, and it yeah. isn't a one size fits all, but have a go. <laughs> well, no, I'm just thinking about what you said. Um, the the James Bond thing kind of struck a nerve in me because and I think this is the reason why to be honest my preference tends to be to work with the CEO or the founding team because that gives you the freedom to think that big and to see five years ahead in their mind and kind of they're the most willing usually to go on that journey with you because they're not bogged down in the detail um, they're thinking about their baby coming to life and why wouldn't you like why wouldn't you always to go back to your James Bond example, aim to be as iconic as possible. Why wouldn't you always make the best thing that you possibly can? Why wouldn't you always think that big? Um, and that doesn't mean to say like you go into this land grab mode. It means like you think about the most outlandish thing and then you figure out the path there. I think you always have to have the CEO or the leadership team involved in the process of brand proper change with brand, whether it's a refresh or an evolution or building it from scratch. Can you guys think of examples of, um, of what you're talking about? Sort of when, when something has been iconic from the start versus something that has clearly not been iconic from the start and the changes that that particular brand then had to kind of compensate for. It's, it's there are probably too many examples to count, so it's probably hard to choose, but if, you, if someone's looking for like tangible examples of we don't want to be X, we want to be Y. So we need to get this right at the start. Can you think of examples of brands that did it right and maybe didn't do it right? 
Well, I, I think I think so. So, so, you know, so, so, for example, to kind of to kind of so like Brewdog, for example, right? Started off, you know, start and 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 you know, much as I'm I'm not so much a fan these days, I think they started off and had a real point of difference and a, a massive cut through. I think that was down to have a brand, having a brand and strategy that was really straightforward. The idea of equity for punks, the idea of um, you know, and and that and this idea that being slightly agitpop, even though now they're bought out. Like that enabled them to do recent, you know, like the Barnard Castle can of beer. To me, that's the kind of stuff that that's interesting. Brands that play both with pop culture and kind of and sit within it as well. I think that's how you create standout in a in a kind of sea of sea of other things, if you like. I, I suppose branding used to be easier because there are only, you know, three oil companies and and there are only like. 10 airlines and now you know that we've, we've got a lot more that this idea of choice and, and the channels we look we see them through hasn't created exponentially more good more good brands it's created a big sea of mediocrity and i think that that, that really great branding where it elevates you above that and that, that's kind of like from from my agency's point of view they were called bellow because it's a because i'm laughed um <laughs> Um, but also because it's about being heard above the hubbub. There's so many people shouting and saying the same thing that that branding is generally one of the branding marketing strategies and some of the strongest levers you can pull as a business to to really create standout. And that can, that could be creating standout and 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 you know could create something that that is you know iconic and you know and whether that's the brand or the or the service. That becomes something. Who who knew that Zoom would would conquer Skype? No one really. But that you know, it's that kind of it's it's kind of you know, it's completely kind of usurped it. And that's just and that's not through being a better service. That's just from more people using something. And you know, that's what you have a whole lot of advertising that had, you know that, that riffs off this idea of of using Zoom. And I think that's the thing. Being putting yourself into culture, putting yourself into people's minds is probably more important than than seeking to be an iconic brand because you certainly certainly for a service it's it's wanting people to it's like Monzo um, it's it's things that you just see and you know that you're part of the same thing. I think it's, it, we're herding animals by by nature. I think what we what we circle around like TikTok and other things that we we take up really quickly. Aren't necessarily iconic, but they're but they're but they're of the now and of interest and have the right marketing and, and brand to kind of lift them above everybody else. Well, they're so interesting. The two brands you just mentioned, so with Skype and Zoom, I do wonder how much of that comes back to customer experience. And and obviously with Monzo, that's massive, right? The customer experience, and the, yeah. there's almost a thing that. How much do people choose Zoom because they're more drawn to it as a brand? And how much do they choose it because they have negative experience of Skype in the past? Because everybody used to use Skype when video conferencing wasn't that great. And people just hate it. <laughs> it's almost like, are you choosing Zoom because it's better? Or are you choosing it literally because it's not Skype? And with Monzo, are you choosing it just because banking is just such a horrible experience and this is different it's such an underrated area of branding i think customer experience. Like the people that are into it are really into it and really understand its importance and you have these experienced evangelists but around them a lot of people have not cottoned on 
to how much you should invest in it. Yeah, I, th- I think also it's interesting. Like, its authenticity is really important as well. So, if you're going to be a challenger brand, be a challenger brand, be that. Mm-hmm. So, like Monzo are fantastic at it. Brewdog less so. Brewdog got bought out. They're 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 not they're not punks. You know, if you're going to start, I think, and again, that that's having a brand that can that can grow with your ambitions. I think I think Monzo have done it really well. They've always been a challenger, but they've been seen to seem to like have a great community response. Like one of my favorite brands ever is Giftgaff, a pioneering mm-hmm. brand for for you know, although apparently the, the mobile reception is terrible. Um, pioneering brand where you could where where users could build their own contracts, like completely turning on its head this idea of of phone contracts. And to me, that's such a fascinating idea and delivered in a way that had that had so much kind of visual wit and charm and the interactions between people were very real. And it created not just a brand, but a community of people who really believed in it and wanted that brand to succeed. Very much like people are very evangelical about Monzo because it's such a great tool. And and so, so again, branding, branding can, can help kind of glue that stuff together and can help you know, create something beautiful that people believe in that underneath it's amazing. I, th- I think that's, you know, the, the role of brand really is, is, is a kind of, is to, is, to, is to glue the important stuff together. It's interesting you mentioned the customer experience side because that, that kind of interaction with a brand, I would say, tends to happen after your work is technically done. Um, you know, you sort of passed on all of your good work and, and you're letting sort of, pass your baby over and are letting someone else raise it. So when you're going through that process, let's assume for a second that there, there isn't so much in the way of sort of aftercare once you've helped design a brand. Um, what are the special kind of considerations that you make when you know it's going to be passed on, it's going to be live online, they're going to sort of take what you've done and sort of put it into multiple spaces like social, maybe even a physical space, definitely a digital space. Um, so what is sort of like, what do you need to consider and what do you try to equip people with, both in terms of kind of guidelines, but also just sort of like general principles that they should follow? Um, I, I think one of the most important things is designing a brand that people can use. Um, th- like not creating something that's really com- that's overly complex for, this, for, for the sake of a visual, something that, that will be used day to day. And that's really understanding how the business ticks. Um, the, you know, branding to me isn't just oh here's a nice design see you later. I think I think branding is about really really understanding what a business is, what it is now, what it might be, and building something for them. Whether that is whether that's physical guidelines, make a poster that can be hung in the office, which has got everything on you could ever need to know really quickly, so that you've got you can you can you can in a second work out whether something's right or not. Is it creating, you know, like amazing digital guidelines that show, that have animations with them, and or, or you know, like a brand world that you can download from online? I, th- I think it's 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 very much around fitting, um, creating a design system, if you like, um, that fits the business. Like, how are people going to use it? You know, will you be presenting? How how what presentation software are you using? How are you going to do this? Thinking about all the channels that those people are going to communicate in, and giving people easy to use tools, um, guidelines that guide. Because really, the the one of the most important things is onboarding this. You know, um, companies to their new whether it's a new brand or whether it's their first brand. It's about understanding 
that everyone has some ownership of it. So through the through the purpose, through the sort of process, as well as I think Lucy mentioned earlier about it's really important to be close to the kind of the, the senior team. It's also really important to to make sure that everyone feels like they have some ownership to it. That could be how you um, introduce the brand to staff. That could be getting the staff to do peer review of the brand. It's, it's really important that, that once you release this thing that people want to use it. So you make it you make it easy to use, give people the right tools to use it, but you also get them excited about what they could add to it because brand isn't a, 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 a static thing. It's something that can be added to. It's something where people can create their own voice. You can write um, personality guidelines, but if someone has to run a Twitter account, um, then you want them to have to add to that voice too. So I think it's it's for me it's about giving people the tools to to be able to use it carefully, but also not constricting them so they feel like they have to break it to to make it work. And that's and that's all about having a a great understanding of of the business and a great understanding of how they wish to communicate it, and not just now but in the future, um, and giving them something that they actually really love. Um, I think that's the thing. A lot of the time you, you see things that kind of look great in a case study, but when you actually use them, they're pretty terrible. Such a good point there, Gareth. I also think this is the stuff where people make stupid false economies um, when they're scoping out brand projects, that you, you spend so much money on a brand and then many clients want to strip out things like immersion and spending time just getting to with the business and meet the team because they see that as money that they don't need to spend particularly when you've got a more established marketing team they're like well we'll write the brief for you and we'll do it you can't just cut that phase out and also they don't scope sufficiently the deployment phase of a brand project they just think i need you to create these guidelines and they try and keep it self-contained they don't realize that spending that money on that piece is a complete waste if you don't factor in all those other things and that in the long run you you save so much more by investing enough up front um and i think a lot of people make i've seen that error happen a lot over yeah. the years people just kind of scrimp and save and they they don't want a project that where they spend too much uh, equally i've seen it go the other way i've, I've been involved you know, not not led them, but certainly been around in brand projects where they hadn't scoped enough at the beginning how it was going to end, <laughs> and the project just ran on and on and on. Um, and again, that comes from the immersion, doesn't it? Like right up front, spending enough time to get to know the business, to understand how it's going to live, being really honest as well. That you know, you get this thing of people play cards with each other, where it's like pretending that the agency is going to get more outsource work than they will later so that they give you a lower price. But actually that doesn't help the agency give you what you need to do things in-house. Um, all this kind of stuff that goes on that is just profoundly self-defeating at the end. I, I think the false economy thing is interesting. I think, I think, um, I think, I think, it, I think for me, it's never about whether something is expensive or cheap. It's about whether it adds value. Um, yes. value Value isn't that value is agnostic to to how expensive it is. Value is what it really adds to the business. To me, brand adds immense value to any business, and I think that's 
the consideration. It's also thinking around, it's also about how you stage a project. Um, certainly from my perspective and my business, I'm much more interested in having relationships with 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 clients that like I want to, you know, I, I would always, you know, look at a project and, and give my, you know, my most kind of um, honest honest opinion of what they should do with the budget. How much is the budget? This isn't enough. This is too much. Don't spend that all now. Spend it on this and, and actually really help people make the most out of it all. And I think that's, you know, knowing when to add value, is it really best to spend a load of money on a on a on a swanky video to introduce the brand to your staff when they might be saying, Well, why don't you just give us more money? And it's have that and again, that's that's soft skills. It's kind of understanding people, it's understanding business. It's not just, you know, here's a brand. I think you have to be more in depth than that. And that's how you understand where the value lies and what you can offer that business. Um, I think we're getting close to wrapping up. Before we go, we tend to ask people on this podcast uh, their best and worst examples in cybersecurity marketing. Uh, instead, with you two, I'd like to see if you have best and worst examples of brands. Um, cybersecurity, if you can, but if you can't, just kind of brands that you think nail it again and again and again uh, versus brands that you think well, if they if they if they're really bad, they're probably not around very for very long. But um, sort of like a general like here's where I think what I love I love one of the things you said, Gareth, about the aspiration behind what brands should do at the very very start. So um, and the idea that at the beginning they should be you know aiming as as high as they as their imaginations can take them um, within realistic you know, framework, of course, but so, so within that, yeah, what, what are you, so like your best brands versus your, your worst brands? Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. I, I'm going to go with an old client for my best brand and it's a really, it's a kind of, it's a fairly obvious one, but, but, but I, I think it's a really good example. I mean, my, my favorite brand like of all time is Nike. Um, I mean, I am someone who had 300 pairs of shoes at one point, so um, I'm an unavowed kind of trainer geek. Um, but what I love about Nike is it's such a, a, an all-encompassing brand. So there's a great, someone said this, said this thing to me um, years ago, which I really loved, which is um, if Nike made a hotel, you'd know what a hotel would look like. But if Intercontinental made a shoe, you'd have no idea. And it says so much about Nike's brand that you could visualize what, how they would interpret space and how they'd interpret a different market because you have such a great idea of what makes that brand tick. They, the way that they, um, the way that they innovate, the way that they, you know, in, 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 a re in the recession years ago, spent all the money when Reebok didn't and took over the market. There, there's such, there's so much energy and excitement in it, but also there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a sense that it's an everyman brand. It's not. It's 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 neither. It's neither exclusionary. Although you can buy expensive trainers, you can buy them at any point. But it's it's something that that anyone can draw. Uh, you can you can anyone can draw a swoosh. Um, and I just think it's it's just such a um, yeah. It's just perfection from advertising to design to product development. It's a brand that just everything lives and breathes Nike and I absolutely adore it. Um, so that, that, that's, that would be my best and my worst. Um, I, you know, in, 
and one of the worst is 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 Yahoo. I think I, I'm I'm still fascinated that people throw money at it. Um, I, I I find it, and it's a great example of being you know one of the first to market and being completely taken apart by not having a great brand by having something that that you know by, by uh, and the, and it informed a lot of terrible acquisitions. It informed a lot of um, you know awful missteps. Um, and you know something that that was supposed to be like a like a vanguard of a of a new kind of digital era is now kind of you know something an anachronism that still exists but is is it's it just has no real relevance anymore regardless of the money that's had spent on it. I I think it's it's a really important thing that you don't have to spend you, you could you could have all the money in the world but if you don't have a brand that people relate to and that people um, want to use then it doesn't matter you know how much money you've got because it's a service that's always you know fourth fifth best so those are my two awesome i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna try and do cyber ones um i'm gonna say something really controversial because when you're talking about yahoo gareth there was a brand that immediately came to mind when gail said best and worst in cyber and i think a lot of people will disagree with me on this but i think they're exactly the yahoo of cyber security and that's dark trace um they are known as a a billion pound uk unicorn business but they are exactly that that kind of business that was there at the right time they spent an awful lot of money in getting big um and actually the things that people laud about them and their brand i personally think are failures so um no one really understands what they do if you, if you ask people what dark trace is who are not from inside the industry they don't know they know there's something around immunity because they create this metaphor about a body being immune and and the truth of the matter is that as people become more mature in their understanding of cyber they'll realize how simplistic that metaphor is and how much it actually is hiding the fact that the technology can't do what that metaphor promises because it can't Um, and as soon as that happens that brand loses all credibility and dies Uh, and they've also done this thing where they've made such a big land grab so quickly that that they've got quite a lot of uh, backlash from people in the know around the size of deals they've sold to businesses that have then it wasn't really what they needed um and this is the stuff where reputation people underestimate don't they they think that they think that your brand is your marketing and it's not so they've marketed themselves really well but in the long run what they will be is the sort of the dot-com bubble burst of the cybersecurity market in my opinion and now we'll probably never get to work with them but i don't care <laughs> I think I think they they've been quite unethical in some ways in the way they've marketed themselves. Oh, you, you know, I love, you know, I love a, 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 a sort of uh, controversial opinion, Lucy. So I, I, I fully back that statement. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then okay, so a really good one is a less well-known brand, but I think they've done a really good job of creating the right associations for themselves as immersive labs. So they create environments that people can go and train in. And they do this, they provide these training environments a lot for um, 
for groups that are helping people get into cybersecurity. So they've created this amazing association between anybody who's trying to go and learn how to get into cyber has probably been to an event sponsored by Immersive Labs. Um, the branding's really fun and useful. It says what it is. You don't have to make a massive leap to understand what Immersive Labs does. And it's just it's just a cool brand. You just kind of want to be around it. You feel like they're nice people. You feel like they care about the development of the industry. And that's the sort of thing that I think people come back and remember and they want to use you in the future. And that helps you grow long term. Thank you both very much for joining us today. That was fascinating. And I hope that our listeners got a lot out of that because the hopefully the purpose of this podcast is that, you know, it gives people a bit of a bit of ammunition, a bit of, you know, some, some new ideas to kind of throw into a mix. And, um, and I think you've definitely done that. So thank you both for your time today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.